0: many of you are familiar with the parable of the sower in Matthew 13? I think all of us are, right? Now Jesus spoke of the seed of the word that fell into various types of soil. He spoke of seed falling onto the path, along the path where the birds came and ate the seeds. He spoke of The seed falling on rocky soil, rocky places, with little soil. And the plant not being able to survive because of the elements and the sun scorching the plant. He also spoke of other seeds that fell among thorns. And because there was not enough soil and the thorns overtook the seed, and that did not produce a harvest. Now, later on in, in, uh, in Matthew 13, Jesus actually goes on to explain what each type of soil represented. And so he says, first of all, the seed that fell along the path, <clears throat> excuse me, <clears throat> it's seed where the enemy comes And he takes away the seed, he snatches it away, and and it does not produce a harvest. He talks about seed that fell on rocky soil. And that's for people who receive the word with gladness, with joy. However, because the seed does not have deep enough roots, it does not survive. You know, how many of you know that Jesus was the first one that talked about shallow Christians? It's right there. Shallow Christianity, right? Just, we just want to get just deep enough with God, but not too, too deep. We don't want to let the roots go down. Talks about the fact that because of trouble and persecution, these fair believers fall away. He talks about seed falling on thorny ground. That people who receive, receive the word of God, but because of life and the deceitfulness of wealth and success, those choke the seed and it does not produce any growth. Finally, it talks about good soil, which produces good crop. Today, I want to talk a little bit more. I want to share a word that God gave me about the types of ground that are described not only in these powerful verses, but there's a verse in the Old Testament that I want us to use as a reference. In fact, a few weeks ago, uh, Lois and I, my wife and I, were talking about uh, some of the um, things that we all go through as believers, right, in our hearts. The heart is the center where God actually implements and works in us, right? And so... We were talking about the fact that there are crusty areas of our lives, difficult areas, hard areas of our hearts. And I literally, as we were talking, uh, the, the day after, a couple of days after, I heard the Holy Spirit say, it's time to break up some fallow ground in our lives. Now, the NIV calls that unplowed ground ground. And the New Living Translation, which I love, talks about hard ground. So let's read that verse together. We're going to put it up. And it's found in Hosea chapter 10 and verse 12. Hosea 10, 12. And it says this. I said, plant the good seeds of righteousness, and you will harvest a crop of love. Plow up the hard ground of your hearts. For now. Say it with me. For now. Say it again. For now. Not yesterday. Not tomorrow. Not a week from today. But for now. Now. Now is the time. To seek the Lord. That he may come. And shower righteousness on you. <clears throat> the, the concept of breaking up hard ground. Is found in the scripture in two places. And it's almost identical. There's a, a sister scripture. Or a, a similar prophecy. In Jeremiah chapter 4 verses 3 and 4. And it says exactly the same thing. And, and th- this is a, a word that, that the, um, uh, both Isaiah and Jeremiah. Had to speak. And that's a harsh word guys and it came because of a disobedient and careless and lackadaisical attitude toward the work of the Lord and so Jeremiah says this in Jeremiah 4 3 and 4 it says this is what the Lord says to the people of Judah and Jerusalem plow up the hard ground of your hearts do not waste your good seed among thorns O people of Judah in Jerusalem surrender your pride and power change your hearts before the Lord or my anger will burn like an unquenchable fire because of all your sins thank you for the water <clears throat> now that, that's a that's a hard message right how many of you would like to be called of God to go and deliver that message I don't see any hands. No hands? No? No one? Me either. I mean, guys, honestly, who wants to have as a message? You remember in Isaiah, the same kind of concept. God gave him a word, and, and, and Isaiah said, Oh my gosh, you're sending me to say that? I'm like, my congregation is already dead before it even started. You know? <clears throat> These are hard words to deliver. But the common message that, uh, that both Isaiah and, uh, sorry, that Hosea and Jeremiah were to deliver was this, plow up the hard ground of your heart. Plow it up, till it up, break up the hard ground of your hearts. Now, the key premise that I want to make is this, hard Ground impedes growth. Hard ground, the hard ground of our hearts does not allow for growth to happen. Now, every year <clears throat> we uh, get our, well, actually every other year, um, I get the grounds around our property reseeded. And how many of you do that? You do that? Yeah. You know, it's nice to just freshen up, you know the elements. I mean, we don't always water. I don't guilty as charged. I don't water my grass as much as I should. You know, you water it, it'll look better. But I don't. And so every other year, <clears throat> we call somebody to come and aerate the property, and they come with a machine. A guy that we call, has got a commercial machine, he literally stands on it and he just goes around, you know, back and forth into all the areas that the machine allows him to. But then there are areas that he cannot get into and he does not have a little, you know, I remember when we used to do that with a little push aerator, right? And you just you get behind it and you press it and it just does its thing. But I think somehow in North Carolina, those machines don't work very well because the ground is really hard, especially when it doesn't rain, and it doesn't rain a whole lot here, <clears throat> and the sun is very strong. And then just, you know, even if you water, the, the water just like gets sucked into the ground that quick. But, and so what he does, he aerates and then he goes back and, and he puts seeds and, and, and uh, new seed fertilizer. And then what I do, I go and inspect everywhere <laughs> that he has been. So I go, and I'm like, oh, okay, he couldn't get here, so let me just throw some seeds there. And I'll go into another area that he couldn't get into, and I throw some seeds. You know what happened to those seeds most of the times? You know who enjoys those seeds? The birds. The birds. Because there is, the ground is literally so hard. I may get a little shoot here and there once in a while, I see, it, oh, uh, yeah, that's going to reproduce and maybe multiply. I, I don't think that that's actually the case, but, uh, you know, I like to tell myself that there's any multiplication in there. But anyway, <clears throat> the birds actually take those seeds because the ground had not been plowed up, had not been worked on, had not been tilled. Hard ground is not conducive to growth. And the fact that hard ground could actually become unusable is a hard thing for us because our hearts are similar to that what we're talking about, the hard ground of our hearts. And so if hard ground is unusable, then what do we do? How do we actually get into a place where we can actually use what we have. You know, I, I, I brought some friends today. This is not a dead animal. <laughs> but I brought some friends. These are actual tools that I use. Go oh, away. This is my favorite shovel. You say, like a square shovel? Yeah, because I actually sharpen this thing. It can cut through anything. But not very, very hard ground. And I put a nice big tall handle from a snow shovel because I'm a little taller and I don't want to bend down too much. But this thing does a lot of great work. But when the ground is really, really hard, not a chance. I mean, not a chance. It's a sharp shovel. Sometimes I put it into the corner and I just beat it with my foot and I get a sore foot. That's about it. And so When that does not work, I have to go to this buddy here. This gets a lot of work pick. And you can just, depending on how hard the ground is, you can just break just about anything. But if you look at this, you can see a lot of damage around here. And you know why? Because every once in a while, there's roots that meet the soil. And there's no way that those roots are coming down. And so I have a third friend, the axe. And so I take the axe to the root. And I take care of that. I'm like, you know what? You got something else coming to you. Any of you do any of of that crazy stuff? Am I the only one? Okay, yeah, yeah, all right. You know what I'm talking about. You have to use the tools at your disposal. Now, the heart, the Bible says, is wicked. It's desperately wicked. Now, a regenerated heart should be a heart that desires to please God. It should be a heart that wants to stand in God's presence. It's a heart that wants to grow in the Lord. It's a heart that wants to surrender to God. However, our spiritual desires and our physical current circumstances and realities don't always align. And so we want something so desperately, spiritually, but in the natural, it's just so hard to achieve it because, you know what, we have all kinds of things that impede our growth, that cause our hearts to get calloused and hard. Sometimes the heart becomes very hard. So how does a heart get hard? How about an prayers? Has your heart ever gotten hard because you wanted, you've been praying for something, for God to reveal himself to you, and it just didn't happen? Has that ever happened to you? It's happened to me. And so the heart gets hard. How about being hurt and rejected by people? Maybe by a parent that did not love you, a dad or a mom that did not actually invest into you. The heart gets hard. Have you been rejected maybe by people who did not believe in you? You already were having a hard time believing in yourself, but they did not believe in you, and they spoke words That cut to your heart and made your heart harder. You know what breaks a hard heart? A heart that's hurt, disappointed, a heart that has stopped loving because you have not been loved. You wanna know what that is? It's two things it's confession. And repentance. It's confession and repentance. You know, we often quote James chapter 5 and verse 16 that says that the earnest prayer of a righteous person, right, has great power and produces great results. But we forget the first part of that verse. Confess your sins to each other. And pray for each other so that you may be healed. When we learn the power of confession and the power of repentance, that is where healing takes place, church. And God wants us to get into a place where confession and repentance are not just something that we do as a special event. It's a special activity. But that we live in a posture of confession and repentance before God. In Proverbs chapter 28 and verse 13 it says this. People who conceal their sin. People who conceal their sin will not prosper. But if you confess and turn from them. Turn from them is the same as repentance. And turn from them they will receive mercy. Because God is a gracious and full of mercy God. He does not want to destroy us. He does not want us to keep us bound, bound, to be bound in our own struggles and challenges and difficulties. He does not want us to be locked into a hard heart. But He wants us to open our hearts. He desires to set us free. How hard is the heart of the ground of your heart today? What do you need? Would a shovel do the job? Maybe for some of us, a shovel will do it. Well, you maybe need a pick or do you need an axe? Whatever it may be. God wants to set us free from a hard heart. You know what revival is? Revival is not when we come into God's presence and we scream the loudest and and just pray the the hardest. You know what revival is, amongst other things? It's healthy believers who forgive others and forgive themselves. It's healthy families who live harmoniously with God at the center of their lives. It's selfless believers who forgive others because they have been forgiven. It's people who do not, don't hold a grudge because it's just the right thing to do. But it's people who learn the art of confession and repentance. This is what prevents us from being healthy and fruitful, and we must learn to be honest with one another, and to be honest with God if we truly want to experience true revival of our hearts. What else hinders our hearts and makes them hard? think The other thing that we need to do is that beyond small roots, there are stumps from trees and hard, big, thick roots that that axe will not do. Can you put up that picture? <clears throat> this is my backyard. Looks great, doesn't it? You know what was underneath that fire pit that I put up? Four trees. Four. Two of them smaller. Two of them pretty large. One of them was about that big. And when I got to the house, the trees were down, thank God. However, let me take this away so that I don't trip on it. However, the stumps were there. And so, when you're dealing with stumps, you can do one or two ways. You can dig around the stump. Well, maybe more than just one or two ways. But you can dig around and you can axe the roots if they're small enough that you can do it. You don't want to take a a chainsaw to it because you'll destroy your chainsaw. Mark my words. Um, Or you can put a chain around the root. You got a truck that's strong enough, put it in the 4x4 and just yank that thing out. Maybe. Or the easiest thing, it'll cost you a little bit. You call a company that has a stump grinder. They come in there and they just... You know, piece by piece, they grind that thing down to below the surface. And so that's what we did. We called a company that came and and ground up all the stumps, and then they came with a a little skid steer and took all the dirt, the excess dirt from certain areas, and and resurfaced everything in the back. The grass looks a little better now. Uh, But... You, at first, you look at that picture and you say, wow, that looks great. But you, know, you have no idea the hard work that went into that. And the same thing is for us, guys. We can't have growth in our hearts unless we deal with the root systems of our hearts. There's there's all kinds of things that have gone on in our lives. And so what what has happened is that over time we have planted things that have produced certain stuff in our lives. And and the root system of ungodliness or, or things that should not be in there has grown and has expanded. And these little plants, little things have just grown into massive trees. And you can't just deal with that by cutting the tree down. In fact, even the scripture talks about it in Job 14.7. It says, at least there is hope for a tree. If it is cut down, it will sprout up again. And its new shoots will not fail. Imagine that. You know, that's what we do sometimes. We have some major ugly things in our lives. Hey, you know what, guys? I, I just want to tell you that I'm not preaching this to you or at you right? We are together in this. And I want to grow just as much as I hope you want to grow in the ways of the Lord. But you know what? That's what happens. We deal with what we see with the visible, right? We cut down the tree. Maybe we seed some dead branches. We chop down the dead branches. We take down the tree. But that thing can regrow. If there's life in the roots, it will find its way out. I, have, I literally had Trees that were the extension of a larger tree next to my tree that just had no business being there. And that's what happens to us. We allow the root system to actually reproduce. In Matthew chapter 3 verse 10, Jesus said, the axe is already at what? At what? The root of the tree, and every tree that does not produce good fruit will be cut down and thrown into the fire. Jesus knew that in order to deal with unfruitfulness, you have to cut it at the root, you can't just take down the branches or take down this, uh, you know, the tree to the stump. What about us? Are there old stumps in our lives that have been undealt with for years and years and years? You say, what are you talking about? Someone hurt you in the past that has caused pain and anger And frustration in your life? Have you allowed bitterness as a root to grow and consume the area of your heart where God wanted to work? Is it greed? Is it lust? Is it selfishness? Me, 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 me. How do you remove roots? How do you remove anger? How do you remove bitterness? How do you remove selfishness? It's not that difficult, guys. You know, the beautiful thing about the Scripture is that It's plain and simple if we want to obey it. How do you remove it? How do you remove anger and bitterness at someone that hurt you, at someone that disappointed you, at someone that upset you? Forgive them and speak life. Speak life. You mean bless somebody that hurt me? Yeah. Didn't Jesus say, bless those who persecute you? But we complicate the matter because we are looking for immediate results. And oftentimes those immediate results are a burst of anger and cursing rather than blessings. Guys, I can't tell you how many times I have made the mistake of lashing out arguments with my wife that really should have never been an argument if I would have just kept my mouth shut. All right, husbands and wives, it's hard. Because we want to have our righteousness. That's why Jeremiah said, you know what? I'm going to replace all this stuff, the hardness of your heart, with my righteousness. With my right standing. You know what? I'm going to show you how to live. If you take the time to soften, to work on those hard crusty areas of your lives. Areas that you have probably not spoken to anyone about. Areas that you probably have not given to God forever and ever. And God wants you to take the time to say, here I am, Lord. How do you deal with greed and lust and selfishness while you give and you serve others. That's what you do. When you want to retain, you give. When you want to stay in your little corner, no, get out and go and bless somebody. Jesus, help us. How do you remove thorns? Well, that's another area or type of ground that Jesus talked about. Now, we don't have thorns in our um, geographical location that we live in, but we have weeds. I mean, how many of you have a weedy lawn? You know? I, mean, I got a great lawn. No, you got great weeds. <laughs> if you take some weed killer to that thing, you'll probably have just brown spots everywhere, dirt. <clears throat> and, uh, you know, I mean, that's just one of those things that you have to, if you want green, grass. You know, you can't just look at your neighbors. You just got to do it yourself. (laughs) You know, and that means that you have to put fertilizer and you have to put weed killer and each one of them, it's got its own different season. I have a friend of mine that has that business. And so he comes and I think he comes like six or seven times throughout the year from the winter until the end of fall. And he just prepares the ground and he does such a great job. He's amazing. The grass now it looks better than it's ever looked because, you know, it's now, thank God, it's not too, too hot. It doesn't get scorched. We have weeds that we have to deal with. And spiritually speaking, it's the same thing. There are thorns or weeds, to use the illustration that Jesus gave. In fact, Jesus explained it this way in Matthew 13, 22. He says, the seed that fell among the thorns or replace it with weeds, represents those who hear God's word, but all too quickly, the message is crowded out by the worries of this life and the lure of wealth so that no fruit is produced. So I, I, I thought about a moment about this scripture, and I thought, you know what? What is this really saying to me? What is it saying to us? The cares of life. Guys, I know that we're all aware of this. I think that the strongest of Christians have probably caved in this very interesting season of pandemic in which we're living, right? It's it's easier and better to isolate yourself. Don't have to worry about anything. Don't have to deal with anything. And you know what? I know the strongest of believers that have said, you know what? I just can't do this. I can't deal with it. Discouragement. But we cannot allow. And that's the key factor in all this. That if we allow the enemy to come and overtake our lives with worries. This this is what Jesus is talking about here. He says that those thorns, those weeds represent worries of life the lure of wealth so that no fruit is produced. So, put your name in there. What are the worries of your life? What are the worries of my life? What is the lure of wealth that is overtaking you? Because you come into a situation where you're maybe thinking, I need to get more and more and more because I don't know what's going to happen. So, I need to... Work harder, harder, and gain more, and get more. You know what? It's called a lure of wealth. In fact, the expression is better translated as a deception, or even better, a false impression or a delusion. The lure of wealth is a delusion that you're actually in control. It's a false impression that you are in control of your destiny when you acquire and get more and get more and get more and get more and get more. What did Jesus say about the man who built bigger barns? Because he was acquiring all for me, all for me. I'm going to store just in case something happens. Jesus said, tonight your life would be demanded of you. And we somehow have convinced ourselves or we've allowed the enemy to convince us that this deceitfulness called the lure of wealth or the worries of life put us in the driver's seat when it does not, guys. It does not. We are not in the driver's seat of our lives. God is. God is. And I, for me, I want him to be in the driver's seat of my life. Because you know what? It's a much better place. I know that there's wisdom. I know that there are obviously other scriptures that talk about saving and taking care of your future and all this stuff. I'm not undermining those scriptures or the concept of being wise and building wisely. But there's something to be said about a heart that becomes hard and calloused because we've allowed the enemy to deceive us into believing that what we have, that the worries that we hold so dear to our lives, right? If I don't do this, then this will not happen. If I do this, then this will happen. See, I'm in control. No, you're not. And I'm not. And what God is looking for is total release into his hands and his presence. Friends, the devil knows how to enslave us, and he does it by giving us a false impression that choke the word of God into us. Now, so you say, David, all of these warnings today, what is the point? What are you trying to say here don't do this don't do that don't do that don't do the other don't do this it sounds like you're we're just going to leave depressed today I don't want you to leave depressed the fact of the matter guys is that each and every one of us at some point has to deal with this because we have for so long made our Christian lives, something that we reason, right? So we try to figure things out with our minds, and when we cannot figure them out with our minds, we move on to the next thing. But there's something that the Lord revealed to me, and this is actually why he gave me this word, deal with a fallow ground, deal, you know, start plowing your heart because I'm getting ready. I want you to know that God wants to do something in this day, in this generation, in our generation, that I believe that we will not have room enough to contain or even understand the power of what God wants to accomplish. And so let me close with this. We all struggle with areas of our lives that are, have been perhaps undealt with. Burdens that we've carried for too long. Situations that we did not face. I want you to think about it for a moment. What are those situations? What are those things? What is God saying to us today? What, it, what I believe God is saying is that for many of us, we have unrealized dreams. There are things that God has spoken to you, has spoken to me, that have not yet come to pass. Why have they not come to pass? Because the seed of God's word to you fell on very rocky, hard soil. And that is why it did not germinate. And so you look at around you, you look at the circumstances around you and you say, wow, that did not happen because, you know, so-and-so did not keep their promise to me. Or that situation did not come to pass because they didn't do their part. Or maybe I should have done a little something. You know, I should have worked a little harder. I should have tried harder. I should have done this. I should have done that. I should have done the other. No. The seed of the word of God for your life, the promises that God made you, that God made to me, under those circumstances fell on hard, undealt with soil. And so the word of God did not get into the ground to produce the root system that it needed in order to survive. So we're like, God, what do I do now? Maybe I need to take John Maxwell's course on how to deal with leadership. Or maybe I need to go and and go to the next conference on getting closer to god or maybe i need to i need to. and so we look around us for the answers rather than looking inside of us for the answer we deal with the tree the branches but we never get to the root system to say that is what needs to die These are the circumstances that I have faced in my life where I did not forgive. Where I did not deal with, I did not speak to my husband about this situation. I did not tell my wife how I felt here. I did not. And so things get harder. And things start shaking around us. And we wonder and we worry, why are these things happening? It's because God is calling us to deal with those areas of our hearts that have been undoubt.